new concepts and ideas to help you reach your full potential. morning everybody how are you guys doing out there we are back the success 101 podcast live episode number six and uh in full swing in the new year how you feeling i'm feeling good good morning everybody you feeling confident ready to rock ready Ready to roll you look good thanks buddy yellow tie yellow tie yellow ties are the jam especially if you wear blue shirts i was gonna do a pink shirt today with no tie yeah i thought of you (laughs) but i think my uh person that does my my laundering uh didn't put any starch on it so i was very upset when i pulled it out that's of the so funny because the the uh laundry mat i guess or the the laundrier what would it be <laughs> dry cleaner dry cleaner that did my dry cleaning this this past time they they had like heavy 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 starch man and i don't I like love, heavy starch. no i love it you i do yeah I, st- I starch it so where the thing will just like if i like set it over there in the corner it'll just stand up it's on cardboard. Its own. <laughs> right <laughs> you want to live in the cardboard box yeah that's right that's right that's that's how i like to do it so uh well man in full swing first full week back for most people i know i was very empowered this week to just get stuff done as i shared with you guys last time this was the first i'm sorry this was the second year that i did not allow myself to get into the holiday slump or the holiday just again going comatose from eating so much and being out of the office to where it's hard to get those wheels turning again. This year, I stayed engaged through the holidays, enjoyed my family, enjoyed the time there. But man, come January 2, you know, when offices were closed, I was up here uh, getting a lot of stuff done and just felt really good, probably probably for the most that I've ever felt good about just rocking into the new year. And I, for you listeners out there, I think that really speaks to the passions that I have as far as just building this office this year and a lot of the things that I want to do. And so I would encourage you guys, if you're, again, if you're getting into that holiday slump each year, try to remove yourself from that sum by getting excited about what you're going to tackle in the new year. And I think it'll be a lot easier for you to get into it. Yeah. And I can attest to that. I mean, you were up here at, I don't know, 11, 12 o'clock at night, a lot of nights. Yeah. Well, we were, we were heading out of town one day and uh, I don't, I mean, I don't know if this is good or bad to say, I don't want people to get the wrong impression, but we were heading out of town on New Year's Eve. So that would have been the 30th that I was up here at the office. I had the uh, bowl game on the playoff game. I had a lot of stuff going as far as just, just rocking out. I told my wife, I said, look, we're heading out of town again tomorrow after being out of town for quite a while. I'm going to go up there and just hammer out as much as I can and then we'll leave tomorrow. And I think I stayed up here until, gosh, I don't know, one in the morning or something like that. But it was it wasn't a grind. It, I was empowered by that. I was ready. And then it just became that much easier on the second and then on the third when offices opened back up for me to grab my team and my staff and everybody here and just say, let's rock and roll. It's time to it's time to go. Uh, it's a good lesson for me to just stay engaged. That's awesome. That good. I love it. You know, we talk a lot about productivity and what are some keys to becoming more productive I think a lot of it is just choosing to enjoy what you do. Wouldn't you say, I mean, when you talk about it wasn't a grind, why is it that it wasn't a grind? Well, because I was fired up about it. Yeah. I was was ready to go. I had my goals in line. I had my commitments in line. I had my intentions of what I want to do. And that leads to excitement. Yep. I love it. Uh, A lot of, I, I put together some ideas for this morning's discussion because I've been reading a lot about gratitude and just how empowering gratitude is. In the oh, workplace. it's huge. It's big. And I don't know, you know, a, a lot of us are, are sort of type A personalities that it's like on to the next thing. I make one accomplishment. I'm not looking backwards. I'm looking forward. 
you know, especially this time of the year when we're, we're goal planning and we're deciding what we're going to accomplish in the year 2017, it is so easy to say, I am going to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm not worried about what I did last year. Last year was not what I was wanting to accomplish, or maybe it was what I was wanting to accomplish, but I don't care about last year. I'm on to this year. Right. And sometimes it's so effective to just say, I'm going to rest in, in some of the gifts that I've been given and some of the blessings that I already have and choose to acknowledge uh, a lot of those blessings on a daily basis. And I think that the more grateful that we are, the more empowered we're going to be to be able to accomplish the next thing and not just let it go by the wayside. Explain that a little bit. So Harvard has done a, a, a review. Yale has done a study. All of the major institutions have done some studies on gratitude. And so I pulled together just some quick bullet points. Yale says that students, uh, they were actually talking about doing a gratitude journal. So writing down one thing every single night that you're grateful for, it's a pretty easy concept. You can just buy like a cheap little small pocket-sized journal at the end of the, every day or at the beginning of every day, which I, I kind of like the idea of a, the beginning of every day, get your mind right, get focused on the day. Um, you just write one thing in a full sentence that you're grateful for that day. So Yale says, studies say gratitude journal will result in higher alertness, enthusiasm, determination, attentiveness, and energy. Stanford says that students are 20% less stressed when they do a gratitude journal. Harvard studies indicate gratitude improves health and strengthens relationships. UC Berkeley research indicates gratitude journals improve sleep and decrease illnesses which is pretty incredible. Columbia says gratitude improves the immune system, which reduces anxiety or depression. How do you think those things are, I've got my own answer here, but I'm curious from you, how do you think those things are affected by gratitude? Yeah, I mean, I think when you can just say, hey, I'm grateful for X, Y, and Z, and I know I've got so much more on my plate that I have to accomplish, uh, but I've already accomplished so much. You can rest in, in what you've already done and have the confidence to know that what's ahead of you is something that you can tackle. Yeah. You know? There's some neat quotes that I thought were really interesting. One says, none is more impoverished than the one who has no gratitude. Gratitude is a currency that we can mint for ourselves and spend without fear of bankruptcy. Another quote says, be thankful for what you have. You'll end up having more. If you concentrate on what you don't have, you will never, ever, ever have enough. Yeah. There's, there's a ton of people out there who do it. And I, you know, clued into this about a year, year and a half ago. And of course, with everything, I want to test it. And I want to, you know, I don't think gratitudes are a new thing out there. I think most people out there that are doing things in a highly successful way, that's how they say that they start their day. And I literally just grabbed these four things from my office. I've got Craig Ballantyne's brain dump sheet, but there's a place to put gratitudes on there. And there's a check mark here to check if you've completed your gratitude journal for that day. So his perfect day formula kit comes with a gratitude journal. That's incredibly important. That's awesome. This journal that I've picked back up and started using again this year, it's called the self journal. I don't even know who this is by. Um, but when you open this thing up, there are at the bottom there this morning, I'm grateful for, and tonight I'm grateful for gives you a chance to list three gratitudes in the morning and in the evening, which I think psychology would tell you is key. Paul Ben-Shahar, there's a book of his called Happier. This is the workbook that goes to that. And the very first week that you turn to here, because he thinks this is so important, he runs the highest attended class at Harvard and has written a ton of books. Week number one is on being grateful. And so what I did was uh, a while back, just wrote down a ton of my gratitudes in week number one. 
And he, it's so important to him that even though you go through this 52-week journal, week number one is, what are you grateful for? But then he says, continue to repeat week number one on writing down your gratitudes. But then if, as you move to week number two, continue week number one as well. Like That's never awesome. give that one up, right? It's a building. And then block. the last one is John Lee Dumas, his freedom journal that many of you guys know about that came out last year, which is accomplishing your biggest priority goal in 100 days. This is an awesome, awesome journal. And um, one of the things that he has in here is uh, the first line here is I am grateful for. So at the start of each day, I am grateful for what? So it's, it's definitely a real thing. It's things that people who are successful out there know about. It's, peop- it's things that we should be clued into more. And just the science behind it is pretty, uh, pretty fascinating. I think we can get so yeah. negative with our day. We can get so bogged down in negativity each day that writing down gratitudes is what comes back and brings us back to center. I Absolutely. I mean, the Bible says if you're faithful with a little, you'll be given much. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and why is it, you know, I've said this before, why is our brain... Teflon for the good things, meaning everything just mm-hmm. bounces off, but yet Velcro for all of the negative things. Yep. I don't remember where I heard that from either, but a while back I heard that and I thought, man, that is so true. There are so many good things around us. You've heard me talk about Zig Ziglar many times before out there in saying that Zig Ziglar was the first person to really teach me about functional optimism or practicing optimism in a way that I could relate to. It wasn't Pollyanna. It wasn't pie in the sky. It wasn't mumbo jumbo. It was real because what he says is, look, Everything's not going to be perfect. We live in an incredibly hard and difficult world, but look at all the amazing things that are going on around us every single day. And I thought, man, that is so true. Why are we geared each day toward Velcro to the negative things and just stressing and sitting in those? And the good things are just Teflon that just bounces off of our, our mind. Yeah, it's kind of like, I, I think that a, a, maybe a small source, but a source of some of that is false humility. And what I mean by false humility, there's a lot of us that, you know, we'll we'll get a compliment and we'll say, yeah, but I really didn't do as well as I was supposed to. Or, you know, thanks, but, you know, we don't really receive the compliment. We talked about this a couple episodes ago. You don't really receive the compliment. You don't really thank the person giving the compliment. You kind of push back on the compliment and say, yeah, but that wasn't me or this or that. Or humility is not not receiving a compliment or self-deprecation by any means. Humility is being confident in yourself enough to appreciate others and uphold others to the highest, you know, level of respect. Right. So it's not, I'm going to be self-deprecating, right? It is, I'm happy in the state I'm in. I love my life, but I also hold others in a really high esteem and maybe even in a higher esteem than I hold myself. Right. Yeah, that's pure humility. I was reading a couple weeks back. There was a Harvard Business Review done on on a study that was done on humility. And the thing about, you know, obviously Harvard grads, a lot of really you know intelligent people, highly intelligent people spend a lot of their time with other highly intelligent people. Sure. Right. So this conversation was around just because, you know, obviously when you're in that type of environment, you want to learn from everybody. Right. If you're you're at Harvard, everybody is is somebody that's maybe as smart as you or maybe smarter than you, and you want to soak it all in. But it's really important to realize that you can also learn from the guy at the pizza shack. You can learn from the janitor. And so just because somebody is not, quote unquote, on your level as far as peak performance doesn't mean that you should not hold them in the highest esteem um, because you can learn from them. Yeah, I think the, I think the times in my life that I've learned, maybe not the most, but the times that stopped me in my tracks the most were not from the people 
that were the the business owner leading the meeting in the room. It wasn't the shareholder. It wasn't the person that was esteemed as is super knowledgeable. I think it was the people that I wasn't ready for just a little nugget of knowledge that they threw on me. And the reason that I point that I it kind of stood out to me is because they I wasn't expecting it from them. People that some of us out there may think are below us. Whenever they say something that's profound, it almost stops you in your tracks because you're like, wait a minute. Hey, what did you say? Yeah. And, and it's 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 kind of remarkable because you realize, hey, I was not waiting for that. I was, but somebody that's leading the room and writing on the big giant whiteboard in the boardroom and all of that. I mean, they say something that's profound and you're like, oh, that's good. I'll take a note of that. But you expect you it. expect it. Yeah. It's the people that I wasn't expecting knowledge from. Those are the things that have seared on my brain in life, I think, more than others and stopped me in my tracks for a second and really left more of an impression on me. Just to what you're saying is that so many people have gifts and so many people have valuable things to say. We should honor all of that. Yeah. You know, I had Jesse Itzler on my podcast several episodes ago, and he made a comment about just treating people. You just never know who's going to come into a position that can be significant in your life or powerful in your life or whatever, you know, fill in the blank. Um, and he was talking about uh, Adam Silver coming into the league just as he was doing a lot of his NBA stuff and the the jock jams, jingles, the stuff that he was writing st- stuff for. Now that guy's the commissioner. He was just a staff person in the NBA when he first was kind of getting out of all that and starting his marquee jet and the other stuff that he went out and started. He's like, that guy's the commissioner of the NBA today. Yeah. How do you treat people, not, not because you think they might be in a position of power later and want to get something out of them, but how do you treat everybody as if they have a 10 on their head, as Zig Ziglar says, or, or Jim Rohn, one of those said, you know, treat everybody as if they have a 10 on their head. And if you do that, how differently will you treat people yeah. out there? But I think that's pretty phenomenal just on the humility. And I think it's really hard. I think in today's society, it's about, I mean, look at us. We're doing a podcast here. I mean, so many things are viewed as promotion or self-promotion. I mean, my biggest goal to get the podcast out a year ago was I was in a bad spot mentally, physically, fatigue not pursuing my passions. And once I started catching on to some of this, it was so important and empowering for me to get that knowledge out to other people. But our society, our generation is all about self-promotion and how can we promote image and all of these things. I think humility, gratitude, all of those things have to take a front seat to those other things in order for you to really see it for what it is. I agree. It's out there. So. I want to ask you guys, and, and I forgot to start off this way. I want you guys uh, on my website, success101podcast.com. I went yesterday and updated my resources and tools tab. Now, that's going to be an ongoing list as I'm testing new things and I'm trying new things. But some of a lot of you have asked me, Jared, I need a list of what you're doing in the areas of, you know, your early morning routine and sleep, health, productivity, any of those sort of things. And so if you'll go to my resources tab, that's success101podcast.com forward slash resources. There's going to be a list there that's going to be ever-changing and evolving. I'm going to have a ton of books on there. I'm going to have a ton of supplements, biohacks, sleep, routines, rituals. Uh, a lot of it's time tracking tools. If you go in there, you'll see Asana. You'll see Rescue Time. You'll see Harvest. You'll see all of these things that we've mentioned on this podcast alone. And I've got the links to all of those in there. So go check that out. Also, you may have heard me mention recently that Organifi's green juice, greatest green juice mix on the planet. You've got to go check it out. Okay. Ashwagandha and coconut infused. If you guys go over there to Organifi, actually, I've got it set up through my website. So if you go to success101podcast.com forward slash green juice, all one word, green juice, you can go get 20% off of their green juice mix. I've got mine ordered. It's coming in. I had to pick up another bottle because I, or another uh, container because I ran out. But Organifi, there's a ton 
of ways in there to get your green juice in each day without all the mess and the hassle. So go check that out at That's Organifi. Awesome. Uh, last couple of books I picked up this week, uh, you guys may have seen pictures on, With Winning in Mind by Lanny Basham. Lanny's right up the road. We should go do a podcast at his mental, uh, his strategy center that he's got up in Flower Mound. I followed this guy for probably five years and called him one day, and when he called me back, it was a Dallas number, and I thought, holy cow. That's awesome. He's been right up the road the whole time. That's so cool. So he invited me out to his mental strategy center, his facility. Haven't had a chance, unfortunately, to get up there yet, but Lanny, I'm going to come spend some time with you, hopefully do a Facebook Live up there. With Winning in Mind, it's one of the best books that I've read on mental management. And lastly, Tim Ferriss' book, Tools of Titans. This is just an incredible book. I don't know if you've seen this out there. Uh, the Tactics, Routines, Habits of Billionaires, Icons, and World-Class Performers. I'm so excited to dive into this. been trying to get Tim on the podcast, and his staff just keeps telling me how busy he is. Go figure. Uh, but I want to get uh, Tim Ferriss on the podcast for you guys and highlight this book. So I want to dive into, for you guys, why are you failing? Okay, so I know that's, that's really probably a not a popular topic to bring out here on the podcast, but we're going to turn it into a positive one. So here's the question, guys. Why are you failing? And Jordan, I don't know if you knew these stats or not, but you've probably heard the stat that 80% of small businesses fail in the first five years. But here's the other thing. I dove into this a little bit more because I wanted to, I wanted to bring it out to you guys as listeners. 93.1, let's just call it 93% of small businesses make less than $250,000 per year. Okay, that's, no not, way. that's not revenue. That's not profit. That's just earnings. I, I guess that is revenue. Sorry. That's, that's yeah. their gross that's revenue gross. that's coming into the company. That's not what's in the piggy bank at the end of the year that after expenses crazy. and taxes are paid. 93.1% of small businesses make less than $250,000 per year. So think about this. Let's say you pay taxes. Let's just use an average tax code. You pay taxes of $150,000. You pay yourself maybe, I don't know, most business owners aren't able to pay themselves anything out there. But let's say you pay yourself. And by the way, that's not just in the first five years. I don't want to confuse those stats. It's 80% of small businesses fail in the first five years. This is all small businesses. Wow. 93.1 of all small businesses so make less than 250. Established wow. or startups. Pay taxes. You pay yourself a little bit of money. How much money do you think you have left to pay people? Yeah. There's, there's nothing there, right? Okay. Nothing. So the question I think for you guys would be this. Why are you failing? And I cringe by saying that word. I don't, I don't want to throw that out and, you know, coach anybody toward a message of failure. But my hope is that we can turn that around this morning Check this out. 51% of all small businesses in America make less than $25,000 per year. So half, I mean, I had to go and check these stats to make sure that they were legit because I was like, there's just no way that that's correct. And it's, it's true. I saw a couple of other stats, depending on if you break it down to small business or established business, they're a little bit different, but some of them were worse, depending on the category you're looking at. That's just unbelievable. 51% of all small businesses in America make less than 25000 Okay, so a couple of things I read out there this uh, over the, the holiday break here on why you're failing. Top five reasons. So this would be for entrepreneurs, people who think they want to be in an entrepreneur space, people that are starting up small businesses, people that are trying to start a side business, anything you're doing that's creating a brand or creating something that's going to hopefully bring revenue in the future, but you're just not, you're not where you want to be in that. Number one is nobody knows of who you are or your brand. And though that may seem very self-evident, I think a lot of entrepreneurs miss the boat. The financial advising clients that I'm working with who own their business They'll tell you that they're beating their head against the wall with marketing and advertising. Most people today that I talk with, the the typical you know jargon that I hear from them is, hey, I'm trying to figure out this whole Facebook ads thing, and if that even makes sense, 
If you're just now trying to figure out Facebook ads, guys, you're probably way behind the ball and you need to hire somebody to get in there. Silly as it sounds, right? You need to hire somebody to get into your business today and teach you how Instagram, Facebook, and as crazy as it sounds, even Snapchat is where the traction is being created on businesses today. That's it. It's not the old school yellow pages. Yep. It's not billboards. It is social media, and that's where brand recognition is coming in. So nobody knows you. Nobody knows who you are. Nobody knows who your brand. And when I say nobody, you may have a – I've got a couple of business owner clients right now that since I started the podcast, they want to talk about this stuff sometimes when they talk to me on the phone about just media, social media content, those sort of things, because I push content. I'm out on Facebook at least a couple of times a day. I'm out on Instagram at least two or three times a day. You know, I don't think the podcast would be where it is today, downloaded in 86 countries now, if I hadn't done at least some of that front end, you know, legwork. So guys, even if you have a big following on social media, like the couple of guys that I'm referring to, if I look at their total market base, because these guys aren't, aren't just doing stuff here in Dallas, they're potentially doing stuff worldwide with e-commerce stuff. When I look at that, I'm going, yeah, you've got a few thousand followers, but in, in the big scheme of things, that's like point something, something percent. You yeah. know? So we've got to get your name out there a little bit more. Number two, you're too small and you aren't growing or you're not growing exponentially. So there's a lot of guys out there that are just still kind of, you know, we talk about playing office a lot on this podcast. Are you real busy during the day and trying to get stuff organized and figured out, but yet you're just kind of playing office for you entrepreneurs out there are you playing the growth game do you feel really busy and you're testing and you're trying new ideas and you're trying to work things out but yet you haven't hired someone to help revamp your social media you haven't hired someone to do further and higher levels of product testing or to do percentage testing on your revenue streams and cash flow streams that are coming in or your conversion rates on your websites i mean those are things that we can get bogged down in as entrepreneurs but those are also things that with where social media and where people are going, those are the things that we need to focus on. Talk to my good friend Scott Beebe this week, who's just a brilliant, brilliant guy when it comes to business planning. He's got my business on purpose that I was just recently on his podcast, and he works with business owners to help get them out of the grind and chaos. Head over to mybusinessonpurpose.com to go see what he's doing. But he's got these roadmaps that helps business owners really cut down on the minutia and the noise and all the stuff that we worry about out there, right? And he told me just this past week, he said, I just really hate marketing. I love coaching. I love helping my clients. I just really hate marketing. So a guy like him, he's going to have to get somebody in there that can do those sort of things for him. He's probably going to have to hire it out if you're just not naturally gifted. Okay. Well, it's tough to talk about yourself, right? It's tough to self-promote. It is easy to outsource that because somebody else can talk about you way better than you can talk about you. Oh, yeah. So if you have a hard time maybe building your own brand, you need to hire somebody that can do it for you. Yeah. A lot of business owners are very slow to do that for various reasons. It could be different things, right? But they're very slow to do that. And I think it's costing them not maybe today, but it will cost them a fortune over time. So I would just say for you guys, are you small and you're not growing or you feel like you're growing, but when you look back at the testing and the dollar spend and the things that you're doing, you're spending dollars in the wrong place to get growth or you're just not growing very quickly, uh, which leads me to the third point, which is you're not spending enough money. Most business owners out there today in our society, it is too, uh, well, I'll say this, I'll take a step back. It's very easy in today's society to advertise for free or for cheap. Yep. Social media, right? I mean, think back in the days of the 1980s, 1990s, before the internet really came out. Circulars, billboards, everything cost money. I mean, think of what those people were spending as a percentage of revenue yep. just to get their name out. Yep. 
maybe word of mouth, they kept it more local, you know, whatever. But I mean, just think about it today. It's like you can go post on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, which will be gone at some point. You can go post on those things. It doesn't cost you anything. You just need to push content. Yep. And so many business owners, so many entrepreneurs out there that I talk to, I just get such a weird look on my face when I hear an entrepreneur say, yeah, I really don't do the whole social media thing. I'm like, what? Like, I can understand if you don't like it. I can understand if you're not familiar with it. You got to get, I mean, I'm just like, did I hear that correctly? Like, there's no way you're an entrepreneur, especially a small business owner in today's time. And you're not just rocking the social media game because that's where, that's where your dollars are going to be well spent. But we've got to spend money. I've spent a lot on Facebook ads for the podcast. I've spent, I mean, a lot is relative, right? But I've spent a lot of money on Facebook ads for the podcast, my website, just getting awareness out, posting podcasts, doing certain things. Some of it's free, some of it costs, but I farm out all of my stuff, editing. As soon as this show is done, guys, it gets sent to a company in Argentina, Sonoris Labs. My guy, Michael, down there, he's going to load this thing up and make us sound really professional. Uh, thank goodness for editing, right? Um, but you got to spend money. And then the fourth thing, which is really kind of the biggest issue for most people or the starting point is you're just not making enough money. The The middle class, and I don't mean anything negative about this in any way whatsoever, but I think it's it's just math, is we have such a divide economically in this country now. And a lot of the stuff, whether you agree with Trump, whether you don't agree with Trump, whatever, Obama talked about some of the same stuff, We've got such a an earnings divide in this country now where the wealthier are getting wealthier and the people in poverty are getting more in poverty to where there's really just no, you know, middle class is the death zone now. You can be making $120,000 a year, which growing up, I remember in a small town growing up, it was like, man, I hope I make six figures one day. And that was like the big deal, making six figures. And I had a roommate after college one time tell me like, hey, man, this girl that I know at church is a such and such, and she makes six figures. So that's not, you know, so basically what he was trying to say was you need to expand your horizons a little bit because, yeah. you know, you can do, do that. So, but people just aren't making enough money. You can make $120,000, you can make $300,000. And I see it in our financial planning business every day where people are saying, I'm making three, four, 500,000 bucks a year. And these aren't extravagant people that are just blowing money or just as a business owner trying to have the capital to expand your business. There's not enough money there to go yep. around. So you got to make enough money to do the things you want to do on a bigger scale. You've got to be willing to spend that money. You've got to know when you're small and you're not growing or you're not growing at the percentage points that you should be each year to keep up with your vision or let alone competition. And then really all that together will help you hopefully help people know who you are and, and know your brand. But just remember those numbers, guys. 51% of all small businesses in America make less than $25,000 a year. That's gross revenue, by the way. Wow. 93.1% of small businesses across the board make less than $250,000 per year. Wow. You know, I've got a lot of small business clients, and the ones that are really successful are the ones that understand where the revenue comes from and honing on, on that and focusing on that. And then I've got some other clients that, you know, are business owners that are not quite as successful because they can set their own time when they manage their own clock, you know, take for instance, if you're a graphic design guy and you've got a graphic design company, if you're spending eight hours a day at the Apple store looking at new products and trying to decide what new computer you might buy in the future, that's eight hours that you could be going to hire subcontractors to do some editing for you. Or that's eight hours that you could even be doing the editing yourself if you can't afford yet to hire, you know, subcontractors for everything. Where's the revenue coming from? Is it 
you know, out there on the internet looking for new products or is it from outsourcing the work that you should be doing or is it from doing the work that you should be doing that generates the most amount of revenue? Yeah. And just maximizing your time every day. It's interesting. I had Brett Gilliland on my podcast uh, recently, who's a wealth advisor in St. Louis. I've known Brett for a long time. And if you guys haven't heard that episode yet, number 143 that just came out over the holidays, uh, I highly, highly encourage you guys. I talked to a couple of people this week that are business, who are business owners, and I asked them if they caught that episode, and they said, not yet, I've got it saved or whatever. And I said, go listen to it today. And both of them did. They went and listened to it, and they're like, holy cow, that guy is so full of vision and where he's trying to go. But he made a comment in there, and Brett, I hope you're listening to this. He made a comment in there about how he used to maximize his day He used to really try to maximize his day, and now he doesn't. Now he schedules every meeting for an hour and a half to two hours because he wants to sit and marinate with each one of those clients. The relationships are more important and more impactful. And if he gets done early, if the meeting only takes an hour, then he's got an extra 30 minutes on his calendar that he can spend in meditation, in think time, in meeting with his staff, whatever. So it, it looks different. He's not running around like a chicken with his head cut off like he was as a young financial advisor, but he is still maximizing every minute of every day. And why is that important? Because he wants to get home at a certain time. So to your point of business owners out there looking at the computers at the Apple store or fill in the blank, whatever it is for you guys, are we spending so much time on trying to, again, play office, get our ducks set up in a row, back to that whole ready, fire, aim idea? More of us have to fire and then aim as we go. And a lot of people are just, they're ready. They say they're ready, but they're just aiming all the time out there and not really growing the way that they should. So here's what I would tell you guys. And I started doing this just yesterday. Okay. So this is a brand new thing. What I'm doing now, my goal for 2017 is to really maximize every minute of the day. But yesterday I wrote down my calendar for the day and on any open spot that was there, I filled it out in green. I went to Asana, which is my real time to-do list with my uh, staff for our tasks. And I started filling in Everything that was urgent for me to do that day, I started filling it in on the green. What happened at the end of the day? I took my wife on a date night, and I got out of here on time to be able to go do that, and I felt really good about the last two days of leaving with my head held high, looking at the process, not looking at the outcome. We could do a whole podcast on that. I encourage my guys here all the time, look at the process. Look at the process. Don't look at exactly what you did today, because there's a lot of days or multiple days or strings of days that you may not be able to measure what you actually did. But I think if you're sticking with an ideal calendar, I think if you're filling in the gaps of that calendar on the open spots with things that you know have to get done, mm-hmm. you're going to leave with your head held high because the process was key, not perfection. Yep. Progress, not perfection. I want you guys to, to kind of hone in on that. So the other thing that I would talk to you guys about as we get ready to wrap up here, and this is something that I've waited to talk about on a podcast for a while because I just didn't know when the right time would be. And I would like to actually start the conversation now, and then we'll see how it goes. But I I think I want to come back and have a longer, lengthier discussion about it next time. But guys, that's on creating a board of advisors. I don't know if you guys have ever created your own board of advisors. I recently interviewed Drew Canoli. I mentioned Organifi. Drew Canoli is the brains behind Organifi out there. If you look at any of his social media stuff, he's doing crazy stuff all the time out there in California. But Drew has a big vision for where he wants to go and where he wants that company to go And I've heard several talks that he's given about just creating a board of advisors for yourself, for your body, for, you know, people around you that are going to hold you accountable. Okay. So here are five things to consider since so many of you have asked me about a board of advisors. It's even talked about a little bit in our book, From Success to Significance. If you guys grab a copy of that, 
But creating a board of advisors, here's the top five things that I put down in notes that I think you guys need to have locked in to where you guys can stay on point here. Number one is to create a diverse board. Oftentimes, we want to surround ourselves with people that are just like us. Yep. I'll have to admit to you, when I go out and think about creating a board of advisors for 2017, it's probably a little bit tough to call someone or email someone or talk to someone about being on my board that's very different than I am for good reason. Number one, are they going to line up with me philosophically? Are they going to have the same ideas as I have in life, whether it's ethical things, whether it's spiritual things, whether, I mean, don't just completely disregard that stuff. But I think if you're always looking for the people that are exactly like you, you're going to have a board of advisors that are a bunch of yes men. Yep. They're going to be people that agree with everything you want to do because it's part of the same stuff they want to do. Yep. And they're not going to challenge you a lot. Okay. So I think we need to have people with different backgrounds. We need to have people with unique perspectives that they can bring into the picture different than you've ever had before. So I challenge you guys on that. That's probably the hardest one. The second thing is to have a virtual board of advisors. When I first found out about this whole board of advisors thing years ago, probably in 2008, maybe was the first time I'd ever heard the word or the words create a, a board of advisors. And I thought, man, what is, you know, what does that even mean? It's a board of advisors for yourself, which is a little, it seems a little self-seeking. So it's kind of hard to do, but it is. You want to be the best version of you that you can be this year. You need people on there that are going to tell you things that not necessarily you wanted to hear, but things you need to hear. Okay. So we need to have a virtual board of advisors. And that's a little less obvious in today's time. You can get on, um, you know, for me, it's Zoom. My good friend, Michael McGreevy, who's got a group called Fathers, Husbands, and Leaders on Facebook that I encourage you guys to check out, check his stuff out. He's a coach up in Buffalo, New York. He'll actually be here in a couple of weeks doing a Facebook Live with me right here in this office. I'm excited about that. Uh, He's flying in uh, with his wife. But he has basically introduced me to Zoom and how he runs his coaching meetings on Zoom. So my board of advisors that I will have established, and I want you to hold me to this, I will have my personal board of advisors established by the end of the first quarter this year. Good to where the second, third, and fourth quarter, I've got those things established. But it needs to be virtual. It's great to grab people that are right in your office, right in your business, right here around you that have known you for a long time. But again, you're not getting a diverse background from that. So in today's time, it's easy to throw up a Zoom meeting, invite everybody to it. We've got everyone right there on the screen, and they can basically be your mentors or your coaches. Would it be inappropriate to have your mom? Absolutely. (laughs) Nothing against moms out there, but I I think I would say this, just joking aside, I would say you want to have people that when you get on that call with them, you're not the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. We we hear that before, right? Like I never want to be the smartest guy in the room. Very few times am I the smartest guy in the room, which is actually, which is actually a really good thing. You don't have to work that hard. Yeah. I I just got to show up and that happens. So good advice. Uh, You never want to be the smartest guy in the room. You certainly, certainly never want to be the smartest guy on your board of advisors call. Yeah. If you're looking at that. That's uh, good advice. Yeah, it's probably, uh, you probably got the wrong board of advisors. You should have an odd number of board members. Okay. Why? I heard that a while back because if someone, when I tested this a couple of years ago, I oftentimes, first of all, I had the wrong board of advisors. But secondly, I had people who would agree, two people would agree on something and the other two people would disagree on something. And they would say, hey, we, you know, we think you should do this. No, absolutely not. We don't think you should do that. Well, I didn't get any clarity on that. Yep. But it was almost as if I had to go outside of that board of advisors that I'd created or trying to create just to get an answer on something that I thought was pretty important. So you need to yeah. have an odd number of board members. You also need to invest in your board. And I think that's just like with, uh, with guys in their businesses right now that aren't spending money. 
I think there's guys that are not investing in the people around them. So what does that mean, investing in your board? That means if you're serious about this, as I hope you are when you're setting this thing up, you may need to fly those guys in once a year to have a face-to-face meeting. This is all about you, right? I mean, this is all about your life. People are spending time once a month and probably some one-off conversations in between that helping you to really invest in your life. Buy a couple hundred dollars plane ticket. Use that as an investment in yourself. My good friend, Aaron Walker, uh, from his company, View from the Top, which is an awesome book that just came out, by the way, you guys should get. He recommends that most people should spend 5 to 10% of their gross income, not net, their gross income on personal development things each year. Wow. Okay. So I know he's spending way more than that, and that's why he's in the position that he's in today to be able to mentor so many other people. He's been in Dave Ramsey's personal accountability group for uh, for years, and uh, we had a great podcast together as well. But 5 to 10% is his recommendation of gross income on personal development each year. And then also number five is always be looking for new members. That's always That's also a hard thing. It's hard to find people that are diverse different than you to get into the group. It's also very hard when you get a group that feels really good to after a year or so or six months or eight months or whatever your time frame is to split that group up. Why? Because if it feels really comfortable, maybe they're not telling you all the things that you should be knowing. But it doesn't need to be too many. It needs to be an odd number. It's probably at most five people, at at least three people, just so you have that different perspective, that odd number there. But I would say always be looking for people that are going to influence you, people that are going to be helping you set a new pace in life, and keeping these things in mind, I think, are really going to help you rock out the new year. That's awesome. uh, As we get ready to wrap up the podcast here, guys, I hope you guys continue to uh, tune in and download. Uh, I would encourage you to uh, subscribe on iTunes. That's that's the only way you're going to know when new episodes come out. Go check out my resources page on success101podcast.com slash resources and that's not the success 101 podcast it's just success 101 podcast i get i get issues where people say they can't get to my website sometimes um and then be looking out for the new guests that are going to be coming our way plus our episodes i know we've got a lot in the hopper as far as just ideas that we want to throw out there to people and look forward to getting that out to you guys give us a kind of a putting on hot seat here give us a parting thought as we leave just to wrap it up today yeah i think it's a good idea to remind yourselves it's important to be grateful it's important to Remind yourself why you do what you do, right? Get back to your why of what you do what you do. I mean, just enjoy the week. Enjoy your work week. Enjoy your home life. Choose to be grateful this week. It'll be impactful. That's awesome. And don't do what I did for so long after hearing about these gratitude exercises and just think, man, that's probably helpful, but I'm not going to stop for the next 15 minutes and write down what I'm thankful for. I'll get to that later. Yeah. You never get to it. Yep. If you're not putting a priority on it, you're never going to get to it. So thanks so much for tuning in, guys. We appreciate it. We'll catch you guys on the next episode and uh, see you then. All righty.